Counterculture is the only way of critiquing culture. Just like, say, Marxism was the only way of critiquing capitalism. From the end of the Second World War up to around about, what, 1990, we could depend upon a new counterculture, a renewed counterculture. Every two or three years, the counterculture of the mid-60s, say. Within a couple of years, we had glam, which brought a whole different kind of culture with it. And, uh, of course, a few years after that, we had punk, with this tremendous explosion of energy. Those movements carried on reliably every two or three years, like buses. And then in 1995, we got, instead of a counterculture, we got Britpop which was not uh, a genuine cultural movement. It was a revival of British indie guitar band riffs of the 60s and 70s. When we've got the emergence of the internet, when people were starting to understand how that would change society, then I think we suddenly realized, oh, we have arrived. This is the future. And it wasn't the future that we were expecting, and we didn't understand it. So I think that culturally, we decided to march upon the spot. We decided to just reiterate and repeat the culture that we were familiar with from the 20th century. And we have not had a counterculture since. In fact, it could be argued we haven't had any Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie Third. I'm Jack Allison. And I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. And today, in the tradition of the Berserk episode, which mm-hmm. I inflicted upon my co-hosts and all of you listeners, you know, <laughs> and you know, some very mind-scarring stuff that mm-hmm. I've been a fan of for a while. Today we're going to talk about the Crossed series. Yeah. The single most fucked up comic book series that you can actually buy in like an actual comic shop. Like this <laughs> I pushes... think that's fair. I think that is fair actually. There are more fucked up comics, but this will be available at like a Barnes and Noble if they still exist. I does that one still exist? Yeah, there's one on the west side okay. that I went to recently and I was really surprised. Barnes and Noble would have this. Yeah. It's mainstream. <laughs> it's the I wouldn't quite call it mainstream <laughs> yeah. because I feel like if anybody in the mainstream actually saw this while it was being published, there w- it would have been like the biggest news story. Do you think like in America Leslie, for a couple of days? Do you think Leslie that it's possible that someday Garth Ennis will be canceled? Yes, I think it's <laughs> highly likely. Quite surprising, <laughs> it hasn't already because you know that he has that series coming out for Amazon, the Boys mm. series. I wonder if you know. I mean, the, even what's in the Boys is pretty could get yeah. canceled. <laughs> like if somebody just reads what it's based on, they could be like, "Unfortunately, sir, you're canceled." I'm actually surprised that uh, that Preacher has not gotten the flack it's got. I mean, granted, the AMC show is very much watered down from the yeah. source material. I mean, you have to. There's commercials. But, yeah. uh, you know, like 
they do a lot with like Hitler and Jesus on the show, and, and everyone's just kind of yawning. Uh, but that's <laughs> what what, those are those are '90s red buttons. Those are '90s <laughs> red buttons. That's that. It's been a while since anybody cared about yeah. that. But like, of course, if you've read Preacher, you you know that Guinness is a great writer. We talked about him on Punisher Max as well. You know, fantastic um, writer. This is him, and he writes about a lot of fucked up stuff, a lot of really yeah. violent stuff. Mm-hmm. This is him at his most fucked up and most violent by far. So if you yeah. don't like yeah. that, I That's would it. recommend just go ahead and maybe listen to a different episode. Let's just go. turn back right here. Yeah. Like This, this is, is a fucked up This is our comic. trigger warning. You it's know? a great comic. It's a good comic, but it is not nice. It's not a nice comic. Right. It, not, it, it probably won't even be that pleasant to talk about, to be honest with you. So if that's the kind of thing you don't like, we got a lot of these episodes. You yeah. listen to a different one. Right. <laughs> if you want something lighter, we have a great episode with Michelle Perez where we talk about Garth Ennis's Punisher Max series. <laughs> yeah, that's totally a, lighter. That yeah. is lighter. That is light. more roses and lollipops. <laughs> Yeah, so um, this this is the only warning you're gonna get. Yeah. All right. So crossed. Mm-hmm. I first because I, I, there's a lot of cross series and a lot of cross writers today. I just um, I, I told Jack and JB just focus on the ones that Ennis wrote and the ones that Alan Moore wrote because I mm-hmm. think they have the clearest through line. When you look at some of the other cross series that you know David Lampum, David Lampum wrote wrote uh Christoph's gauge they're they're good but i feel like they're not all one connected work they're kind of mm. like all side stories Anthology. they're not they're not necessarily canonical either because they do some things with the cross mythology that doesn't necessarily vibe with the original vision of ennis which mm. is what ellen moore based his run on that taking that initial vision and then fast forwarding a hundred years so we're just i, I think oh sorry go ahead yeah, so we're just talking about today. We're just talking about the first cross series, um, cross Badlands issues one to three, and then uh, I think twenty five through twenty eight, mm-hmm. and then like fifty one through fifty seven. Just all the ones in this row, and then yeah. cross one hundred, which Alan Moore wrote. And of course, Jonathan and I dutifully went down to the comic book shop and picked up all those individual issues. Well, and, I had uh, the first cross trade already, but I had to... Uh, to give you uh, an idea of our state of mind right now, me and Jonathan, Leslie gave us this assignment just two days ago. So we've read that much Crossed. And if you're someone who's familiar with Crossed, uh, you know, that's that's a lot of Crossed to put in someone's brain in just 48 hours. Yeah, uh, we're, yeah talking about, we're talking about miles of horse dicks. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie, yeah, even believe more, it or not, okay. believe it or not about Leslie, uh, he enjoys fatalistic, depressing, yeah. brutally violent works of fiction. <laughs> would you say that's a fair? Would, would you say that's a fair statement? I Leslie? feel like I'm being ambushed. Uh, <laughs> yes, that is true. That is a fair statement, uh, sir. <laughs> but the crossed. What makes them fascinating is that they truly are some of the greatest take on zombies in the yeah. last. I don't even know, 30 years? Uh, They're brilliant. It's brilliant. So let's explain what The Crossed is and what separates it from all the other zombie comics. And it's really kind of simple. So when you become crossed, it it, it is spread like the zombies in Walking Mm -hmm. Dead. It can be, you know, blood, uh, saliva, urine. Bite. Bite. Any kind of bodily fluid, you become cross. What makes the cross like all the more t- more terrifying is this: is that when you become crossed, you retain all the knowledge that you had mm-hmm. prior. If you knew how to shoot a gun 
before being coming crossed or had some idea you can shoot a gun when you become crossed if you know how to fly a plane before you were crossed you can fly a plane when you're crossed if you know how to set off a nuclear reactor before you came, well, came crossed, you can, still do you, you can still do it. And even more than that, when you're crossed, you don't just want to eat people. You want to torture, maim, rape them, yeah. dismember them. You want to make people suffer. You get off on making other people suffer. And you kind of get off on your own suffering, too. I guess that makes them a little bit less uh, scary because they do have uh, certain vulnerabilities where they're just so manic and insane that they'll turn on each other sometimes but that doesn't really save you if you're a human like these are people with intelligence they can track mm -hmm. you they will not stop following you and all they want to do is torture you to death it's not like the zombies in the walking dead where they just kind of lumber in one direction until they hear something else mm -hmm. that's not it they they have as as much intelligence as a human is the only limitation to that intelligence is that they can become easily distracted if by, you know, wanting to murder and rape someone. That's basically my, it. My, I also think another important element of what makes the cross scary, and this is another very simple element, is that they talk. Yes. They talk. <laughs> and that, like, is scary also, that they, like, say things that are fucked up, and they say... Uh, uh, it's almost kind of like the uh, the vampires in, you know, uh, uh, I Am Legend or something. Like, it's just oh, a very yes, small yes. element to add to it that, like, makes it more fucked up and, you know, uh, uh, harder to kill them, kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? The crossed scream profanities and yeah. vicious insults, and basically... Uh, stuff you'd hear in The Exorcist, you know? I, I, honestly, uh, like, earlier today, like, I stubbed my toe, and I'm like, my, like, internal monologue when you <laughs> stub your toe, I'm like, I, it, like, makes you feel like everyone does have crossed. <laughs> it, like, feels more, like, real as a, like, this is, like, if your most vile, like, you know, with no morals, humanity existed. See, it's yeah. easy to kill your friend if they turn into a zombie because you know they're, <laughs> they're not. Dead. They're just shambling and, like, walking around, but your friend, knowing specifics about you, knowing the shit they know about you but just seeming like but just being different and hateful <laughs> and and wanting to kill you yes <laughs> and tear you apart and man lots of uh truly brutal stuff in this comic like, I mean, this is a this is a you know this is not this is not a comic that uh uh holds uh, any of the bar you know bars any holds <laughs> now, I, I do think the series suffers a little bit from the fact that we have been inundated with the undead for the last 10 years sure. and so if you've read The Walking Dead or if you've watched the show or if you've watched the 10,000 shitty zombie movie spinoffs you, you're gonna see things you've seen before that doesn't negate the fact that uh the first volume from Ennis is truly, truly terrifying and was, when it came out in 2008, one of a kind. Yeah, I would also say that I kind of think that it's almost the fact that we have been inundated with so much zombie stuff that, like... I, I don't know that makes the that makes this one feel a little more exceptional or something like yes, that. Like yeah, it would, does feel like I I read this and I compare it to Walking Dead, which I've already read, and I'm like, in Walking Dead, there's not that many new ideas. It's just old stories kind of done again. Uh, uh, but this is like a lot of new and fucked up 
takes on uh, what is an old story. Yeah. So, like, with the with the cross, what what Innes really does, you know, kind of brilliantly is he kind of upturns a lot of the tropes that you do see in mm-hmm. The Walking Dead all the time. Like, here here's here's what I found is the main like well the diff- first issue. Yeah, the first issue. But like the main issue, the main difference between The Walking Dead and The Cross is The Walking Dead is like a soap opera with where right. a bunch of zombies attacked. That's yeah. basically what it is. It's like the idea of the world that they exist in is like the world before the zombies was fine. It yeah. was pristine. And what they're trying to get back to is the white picket fences. They're trying to make America great again. Yes. In that's, the Walking Dead. That's the only... they ha- and, I, and a lot of people say The Walking Dead is uh, fascist. I actually think JDB feels... This. I don't know if I quite feel it. I just feel like it's very like status quo right, and yeah. white. That's kind of what think, they get at. It's not that I think The Walking Dead is necessarily super fasci, but I do think that the nobility in survival yeah. that the show and the comic from Kirkman keeps pushing is... Is, is kind of it's horseshit. I yeah, also and, think, I, you know, and crossed. I think deconstructs. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. The survivors yeah. are bad people. Yeah, like, yeah. So like that. That's one. That's the second element. But the first element of it is like with cross. It says okay, the world was already fucked up. People mm, yeah. were already bad. A lot even du- during the series that Ennis doesn't write. The, they usually make the point to say that the human survivors that you're following were often pieces of shit before the end. Like Ennis specifically mentions things like um, climate change being ignored and people mm-hmm. doing nothing about it. They talk about you know yeah. violence, rape that existed you know before politician, corrupt politicians, all that stuff. Ennis isn't a leftist; he's a kind of a liberal, but he kind of he's gets like a it. Ted Kaczynski liberal. Like he's an <laughs> eco, like he's a guy who believes in social po- progress and environmentalism but he also like wants to write people getting their head smashed <laughs> and then having like the stump fucked yeah so the so the cross on the cross understands like the idea that the white picket fences is already is was perfect is a lie like that's mm-hmm. not good that world wasn't good so that really changes how even if you see the same story play out in the walking dead or cross it's always going to play out differently in cross because there is no redemption where you're getting back to the new world it's more like you the characters learn to re- they kind of come to the conclusion that we deserve this like the human humanity deserved the cross this is the result mm. of our own malfeasance usually and yeah, the answer by the end, at least of the first miniseries, is a hard uh, is a hearty yes. Human beings deserve the cross, and they are not that different <laughs> from the cross. Yes. Uh, so you know, let's get into the the first arc, which is you know pretty sort of simple Z Day type story where issue zero, which is only about ten to fifteen pages, just starts with the yeah. main character at this diner, a and, little web comic. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, a guy shows up with a weird red cross blotches on his face yep. and he throws a dead rat on the counter yeah and uh then he starts eating the uh <laughs> the server's neck and yeah. so he just cuts the 10 month later and you're in issue one and you've got the a team of survivors who escaped the diner you've got this uh blind lady kelly the main guy who oh god i'm already forgetting his name know. well the names aren't too important remember. they're not that important <laughs> yeah. cindy is the leader and she yeah. is she is a she is the only one who really knows how to survive. And it's not because she was in the military 
And it's not because she was trained. It's just that her life sucked. Well, and, and she also knows, like she's, that she was just a survivor. You know, yeah. she just was a, 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 literal, a real life survivor. A literal survivor. Not, not, a, not a hero in the sense, like in, in Walking Dead, it's like a cop. Of course, it's a cop that would be the leader of well, everybody. Well, this is a little bit unfair because if you actually look at at least a TV show, there's a character that's almost exactly like Cindy and that's Carol, who is also a survivor of domestic violence oh, and yeah, later becomes a bad... Oh, it took her well, a while to get there. As a counterpoint to that, I, I won't be watching the Walking Dead TV show ever in my entire <laughs> life. So. I, watched, I watched the first three seasons before I dipped out. and uh, when I, I will now and then go on these message boards and I just do feel like there's an element of masochism to the fandom of that show. Like People like screaming at the bad writing. They like screaming at the actors who get killed off. They like... There's it, a nastiness like that it's show. It's weird. Like and, and you know we're talking about Cross right now, and I did love Cross. Actually, but you can't talk. But about I could Cross also without... say, well, I was also going to say though that there's a nastiness to The Walking Dead, and I feel like people tune in with Walking Dead without a lot of commentary added to it, just to see like human beings get shot in the head. You right. know what I mean? Like if the show was just called like human being shot in the head and it was a stadium of people getting shot, people would watch that. Yeah. You know what I but, mean? But, but what separates The Cross from The Walking Dead is that like mm -hmm. it's actually written by somebody who's a good writer. Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> and there's like thoughtful ideas. <laughs> yes. and, and also, you know what? Let's be honest here. Like, I... I uh, well, we all like to see fucking violence in movies and TV. Yeah. Like, it's cool. It's cool to watch. You know what I I'm mean? Like, it's better and feels more whole like when there's better themes behind it. I'm a yeah. big proponent of uh, fake violence, not a big fan of real violence. Yeah. It's very, you <laughs> I don't know, like the stuff that I, much. Sometimes, oh, go ahead. And, you know, with, and, you know, and we don't want to overplay the violence because there's whole issues that there is no violence in it. Like, there, that, that is a thing that happens during Cross because they do have, like, another thing that separates the Cross is that, like, this is written by people yeah. who understand a beginning, middle, and end of a story. Right. Mm. Like, there well, is, I, they, The Walking Dead is just, it's just endless soap opera, and their the whole, only trick is killing people. The whole premise of The Walking Dead, from the beginning, like, what Kirkman said was his, like, pitch for The Walking Dead was, like, what if one of these movies never ends? Like, oh. what if... If one of, right. And so I'm like, then it wouldn't be good. Yeah. Then it wouldn't be a well-told story, and it wouldn't like have like uh, like themes that like conclude in a way that's satisfying. Like well, you found out what the answer to that question is. Well, and that's why that's why The Walking Dead is turning into a quasi Game of Thrones thing with all these weird, bizarre, post-apocalyptic political like cities and, shit. and yeah and cross cross dispenses with that crossed is well i mean crossed 100 well, gets into that yeah. but in a way that's thoughtful and cool much cooler but anyways we'll let i, I want to even say uh, to, to leslie's point about how ennis is a guy who understands storytelling and knows how to make a story have a beginning middle and end the first issue of crossed could almost just be like an EC comic unto itself. Truly. Like that could be like a Tales from the Crypt issue or something. And because because that's a fully complete story, and it's actually kind of a joke, is what the first issue is. It's legitimately one of the scariest and funniest comics I've ever read. Issue one. When I first read that ten years ago, yeah, and uh, I saw what happened to the neckbeard dude and Good his wife Lord. and kid, yeah, uh, that is so one of the most brutal scenes ever. There's this <laughs> whole plot in the first issue of Crossed where there's a character who's like a you know a bearded comic book fan guy, and they say, and the and this is even why I'm like you know I feel like. Of course, Cross is in some way commentary on The Walking Dead. Uh, uh, that is that character is Robert Kirkman. 
<laughs> that is so funny. You're absolutely right about that. It's Robert Kirkman. But anyways, it's Robert Kirkman is with them in the first issue of Cross, and he's like, I threw salt at one of them. Like, it got burned by salt or whatever, and the whole time he's like, we need to stand up and, like, fight back against these things and, like, make humanity, like, uh, great again or whatever. Uh, and they say in the in the first issue, they're like, you know, you read too much of that comic book bullshit. Like, that's not the way the real world works. And at the end of the issue, he, his wife and kid, he stops them. He makes a circle of salt around the three of them as some cross are coming to them. And he like bravely stands up to them and you turn the page and it's a full page spread of he, his wife, their kid, all being raped and dismembered right. by the uh, cross. They rip this little eight-year-old girl in half while they rape the parents who are turning into crossed and screaming at each other. You know, Leslie, in our, or not Leslie, Jonathan, in our anime episode, we watched a an anime that was like a little mini berserk. Yeah, This Goblin first Slayer. issue is also a little mini berserk. <laughs> like, it gets you to a little berserk climax. Yeah, and it doesn't there. really let up until issue four. No. I mean, for the next three <laughs> issues, it's pure violence. Yeah. And... Then it just takes a stop. Uh, I, I suppose once you have your main characters gunned down a, a group of cannibal kindergartners, Jesus. you have to maybe take a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you said something about, and Jack, you said something about how, you know, The Walking Dead, like, valorizes and glorifies yeah. uh, surviving. And the cross comic absolutely does not. It no. says that the people who are going to survive are not going the best to be people. Are not going to be the shittiest, the people willing to do the shittiest thing. Over yeah. and over again. And also, it kind of doesn't like make as big a judgment about that, I would say, as right. Walking Dead does. Like, I feel like I look at Crossed and I don't like it, just feels like this is like a brutal reality of what it would be like to try to stay alive. Yes. <laughs> and it kind of feels like listless and like they're not like at, they're not even getting, like in, in Walking Dead, it's like every issue is like about them making a decision. In Crossed, it's like they don't even have decisions to make. Like one character can just like listlessly like kill another character and no one will even like mourn. Right. Or think the, of, they say that in the, in the text. One of the pivotal moments in the last third of the first miniseries is there's this survivalist dude who joins the group and he just annoys people he's, yeah he's, he's annoying. rude and he's obnoxious and he kicks their dog and so after the dog gets kicked one too many times one of the members of the group just kills him in cold blood and nobody cares they just keep going yeah nobody gives a nobody shit. gives a fuck they're like we just killed this guy he annoyed us and Let's doesn't go. that feel like and doesn't it it's so much more interesting to dispense to that part of the story rather than wallow forever in the will they become monsters right. someday is like yeah walking what if dead. Well, yeah, like, I mean, at this point, we are, what, like, eight or nine seasons in, and, like, it's like, well, Rick is losing his humanity. In Crossed, it's gone. It's gone, and and just as it likely would be yeah. <laughs> in, 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 a, in a real situation like this, in a real scenario like this. And, uh, I mean, look, I mean, Ennis is a guy, it doesn't mean that the comic doesn't have humor. I've read a lot of reviews of Cross that says it's humorless. I don't think that's true. No, I there's, agree, a, yeah. there's I think a, it's very funny. Yeah, there's a lot of humor in it. Um, the cross, they're funny. The cross is yeah. usually yeah. Fu really funny. You, you, you said to me, Jonathan, or you said on our Discord, I think, you were like, they're like 4chan zombies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I actually agree. Like, there is something that feels kind of like modern and fucked up about them. And yeah, they do feel like kind of that, like, like horrendous id like the same as like as that feels recognizable from 4chan the way they scream when they attack their prey is frankly just not that different from like your typical youtube comment yeah, like they like, say and and youtube is even mentioned in this series like it is weird how like this, this this comic came out 10 years ago and a lot of the trappings of 
current society just simply haven't changed. Like we are frozen yeah. in time. Yeah. And like culturally, if you read this comic, it feels like it could have just been written in 2018, not 2008. I like, mean, even with all the like, there's lots of talk about like Vladimir Putin and Russia. Yeah. yeah. Especially <laughs> getting into like, I'm like, oh, well, it's like, I, I feel like this would have written, been written by like a soft brain, like resistance liberal comic writer <laughs> this they, year. They couldn't do it. He was ahead of his game hating Putin like that. You know, to, to answer your question earlier, why I think Ennis has never gotten in trouble, he doesn't post. He's not on the yeah, He doesn't post. You're you know, right. he, no Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter. He's an offline dude. That yeah. protects him. Uh, you got to do it in the work. You have yeah. to do it in the work. That will protect you, actually. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Uh, it is Ennis. I mean, the the. It's interesting because while he is a nihilist for sure, Ennis seems like a guy who likes people. And that's what's so kind of interesting <laughs> about his writing. He does seem like somebody who does enjoy other humans. He, yeah, as yeah. much as he likes to write them getting like tortured and <clears throat> raped and carved in half and d- dissected and chopped up, he has a genuine affinity for humanity, which on the flip side, when you read The Walking Dead... You feel like the guy Kirkman, Robert Kirkman, besides you, Kirkman doesn't leave the house. No, he he's never. The house, so no, he doesn't know people. He, he doesn't know anybody. He doesn't like no, people. He, he's no, no. I wouldn't even say he doesn't like people. He doesn't know what people are. He doesn't know what they sound like. If you ever read, if you ever read the dialogue in The Walking mm-hmm. Dead, this is the thing that always put me off the comic. It does not read yeah. like conversations that two human beings ever I mean, have. Walking Dead was only good when that first artist was on it, like because that was a good artist. Well, he got kicked then, off. Yeah. Well, I think he just wasn't fast enough, or he was like, I don't want to spend the rest of my fucking life drawing these like five people running away from zombies forever. And Kirkman it, was like, I do. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, let's, let's take a call. Let's take a pause for the calls and talk about the art on Crossed and just how Jason Burroughs. Jason Burroughs, you know, I, you know, this is a man. He's great. Uh, is it a man? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, I don't assume J A C E N. J A C E N. Jason Burroughs. This is a man who uh, uh, can really draw. I mean, and this is this is someone who can like really do a fucked up visual of uh, bodies being vivisected, like some truly horrendous violence, but also can really convey emotion. I would yes. say, like, he's a really good with like just people talking. And he is, I feel like, and, and there's a reason why Alan Moore and Garth Ennis like to work with this guy so much. He is the heir apparent to Steve Dillon. Steve yeah. Dillon drew Preacher. Steve D- Dillon drew the, sure. uh, a lot of the Punisher Marvel Knight stuff. He died a couple of years ago, actually. Yeah. But th- this guy is like the the second coming. Or of Dave the, Gibbons. Or like Dave Gibbons, guys, sure. These guys that can do these things where it's like, you know, very Alan Moore, like these nine panel grid things where it's like very specifically you need to see things in people's faces, you know. That sometimes the brutality is just shown through emotions and facial expressions, just the looks of shock and, and sometimes horror. it's shown through the brutality of the violence. Yeah, yeah. stomachs being pulled out <laughs> of bodies. I, I, <laughs> I really like all the covers. There's so many. They did for a while there. They were doing like five or six covers. Yeah, that's for each Avatar shtick. Yeah, and. All of them are so good. All of them are like these like, just miniature Renaissance paintings of like depraved violence, all with yeah. their own little story that has nothing to do with what's inside the comic usually, <laughs> but still are like very, very, very cool. But I would also say that there are always one or two covers in there that do have to do with what's inside the comic. And I was always surprised that they did. I was like, what the hell is this imagery? And I was like, oh, then like. This character, like this horse dick swinging guy, shows up in the comic. <laughs> Ennis loves horse dicks, by the way. Not the only Ennis comic with horse dicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His Fury Max mini also had one. <laughs> so, uh, in, so Ennis and uh, Boots Riley need to get together. 
Yeah. <laughs> you got a, there's something going on there. <laughs> yeah, horse dicks. Yes. I think it's just that it's the, you know, famously the biggest dick of all. Are they? I mean, I'm I mean, sure not like of the are, mammals, right. you know, maybe not. I guess you're right. I mean, but it's like, you know, uh, that are sort of man looking, human looking. Right. Human you know? size. That can be carried in one hand. Yeah, human <laughs> sort of proportioned, you know, dick of, of the uh, animal kingdom. It's uh, They're the most famous big animal dick. You know, Ennis also, I got to say, he writes, uh, he is not a guy who is, um, you know, he writes women well, which is interesting, too. He, he's, a, you know, despite uh, a lot of, you know, criticisms of, like, the violence, there's by no means, I, I, I noticed that when he writes women, he writes them just like he writes dude characters. And, and like, that's why Tulip and Preacher kick so much ass. Or that's why, um, you know, Ma Nucci in, in Punisher uh, is so scary. Like, he doesn't do what a lot of writers do, which is try to give completely different, like, stereotypical virtues to gender. I gotta, you know, I gotta respect that. I think he does do a good job. And, you know, I do think that, like, I don't feel like, even though there is a lot of, like, sexual violence in this comic, it's not really, you know, it doesn't, it's not celebratory, uh, as, you know, as we talked about even before with uh, with uh, Berserk, is that it's just meant to be completely horrifying. Right. And not to say that, being horrifying can't have like a titillation element. I mean, obviously his work does, but he is, I think, in terms of, you know, the the last 20 years of like exploitation themed stories, he is the master. There is nobody who's done what Garth Ennis has done in, in, in modern mainstream comics in the last 20 years. I mean, well, Alan there may Moore, be one. Al- well, and the, uh, let's talk about... uh Let's talk about the. Uh, well, should we talk a little bit about the the Badlands series? Yeah, before we yeah, get yeah. Into let's plus get plus one hundred. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, because because Badlands has some really good stuff in it too. I mean, I specifically loved his. Obviously, the final Badlands by Garth Ennis mm-hmm. is like kind of the most big plotty and it's plot the, it's, wise. It's the one that's most different than all the yeah. other Cross comics. Because it, it basically yeah. is like it's an origin story. Yeah, though, it's quarantine uh, with Crossed basically. <laughs> That's a good movie, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, I liked, uh, uh, I mean, you know, I like this final story in, in Badlands. It's like it follows the prime minister of England, basically, as this outbreak is occurring. And I like that in our first couple issues, it's just like the prime minister, like, can't make any decisions. <laughs> it's just this, like, old, like, kind of fat man being, like, like brought around yeah. to different places. And he just he says, like, oh, do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, what would be, the truth is, is that when you're dealing with such chaos and such pandemonium on, on such a mass scale, there's nothing any of these powerful assholes can do. <laughs> They're not prepared for these doomsday events. And let's no get, one is. And to get into the nerd thing a little bit. So a problem I always had with the zombie outbreak scenarios was that like zombies aren't smart enough and don't move fast enough for it to be go on a worldwide scale. <laughs> like Kirkman is actually smart because you know he kind his kind of makes sense because everyone who dies becomes a zombie. Okay, then yeah, uh, everyone I mean, is infected. Whatever it like kind of sucks, it, but whatever. It, it, it means it, that it, there are eternal zombies until there are no people left. It's it, just, yeah. They got to figure out a way to keep the the book going. But at least that means that you know it, I can understand how it's it could be air. a global thing right well with the cross thing it really jumps over that hurdle because the cross like actively want to infect other people and have the intelligence to do so they want to spread it around and do and do everything in their power including uh as we see in the early series covering like weapons and bullets in uh cum 
Yes, so they're all jacking off onto uh, bullets, and then they uh, shot someone with the cum-covered bullet, uh, and, and that's in the that's in your first series yeah. of Crossed. Um, but what do you guys make of the thing? I think this came up mostly in Badlands, and it was in the NS issues of the idea that it's only. Do you guys think it is or is not only people that believe in God that became the cross? I thought that was really interesting because most of the cross comics actively avoid religion. Yeah. I mean, they're, obviously, besides the blatant symbolism of the red, you know. Sure. Cross it, you on know, their face. Crosses on their faces. There's there's no desire to get into it. When he does finally get into it, I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I think it's a little bit. I mean, he's an obvious atheist. Yeah. And like, so there's a little bit of like, I'm going to go jerk myself off for that. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it would make sense because, uh, how religion, I mean, this is my take on modern religion right now. And you know, however, Oh boy. Yeah. How many minutes into the episode are we? Are we getting trouble? <laughs> I know. Everybody take a nap. Over 30 uh, minutes. I, okay. I don't remember this. When, when did they even say anything about religion? The idea? It's implied in Badlands. It's implied in Badlands. Which, 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 like which like, series? I think in the first in the first of his series. They like, he, like, no, it's the one with the priest. So I think it was the second series. He's like, do you believe in God, pastor? And then he, somebody, he like brings up the idea that it's only people, because he was like accusing the pastor of not believing in God. And he's like, I think it's only people that believed in God that yeah. became the cross. I, and it's not really clear if that's true or if it's just a, oh, you know, I think, one of I the think, characters uh, being I, skeptical. Or. I don't think that's true. I don't think, I, yeah. Especially when you look at the Alan Moore series later, where it um, where it gets All right. it, it's very much more scientific I mean, it is, about it. It's fascinating. Alan, right. Alan Moore doing, I mean, it is like. Well, I guess we can just move along yeah. to that. Should we just move on to that? Oh, no, you were about to say something. You are about to say something. Uh, Jay B was about to say something about religion. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Well, just when it comes to what's your whole take on religion the, today? Oh, yeah, my, well, just, <laughs> you know, we're we're in a very strange time where everybody is looking for some kind of answer to yeah. something, and like so, it's religion, Star Wars. Because, Star Wars yeah. is the answer. Well, you that's have to, your you have new to look religion. In like, Star Wars. That's the truth in the, the, the way. The internet has turned everything into religion, and so people just have to believe in in something, or they just. If they're if they're if they're comfortable in not believing in anything, then I think it it, it, it frankly like is easier to live that way. Uh, in terms of, like like if you're if you're a person who is going through a spiritual crisis and you're just or like I'm just not going to believe in anything, you can be. F I, I think that's like a a way that a lot of people cope. But I think a lot of people when they go through that moment of realizing that whatever they believed in uh, isn't what they thought it was, I think that sense of betrayal can be very very intense and and even brain breaking if you're really really deep into your faith uh so i think maybe what ennis was trying to do was do some kind of metaphor for his, his whole thing i think he's trying to put himself in that priest but i mean not literally <laughs> well i would say like you know people who don't believe in religion don't not believe in anything they just don't believe in one of the many religions that yeah. most religious people don't believe in like yeah to, to be clear i'm not I, i'm saying that like he's an atheist I'm pretty much an atheist, although I'm kind of Jewy, and uh, it's uh, it seems like when I meet people who are super super religious or were at one point in their life, and then they have this moment of spiritual crisis where they decide I just I can't be religious anymore. You kind of go in two directions. You get people who are comfortable with that new path, and you get people who just. They're just never. They feel like they lost a part of themselves, and it doesn't go away. And I'm curious if that plays into the the cross mythos at all. But it's never really mentioned again in the other comics. It's just really interesting. 
what I was going to say about Alan Moore also is like having Alan Moore do a crossed comic is like Garth Ennis is is like one of the best pulp writers around, but Moore is like an actual literary comics yeah. icon. <laughs> so it's like getting Mark Twain to like write on like a Stan Lee book or something. Well, like Mark Twain would be good for Stan yeah. Lee. It's like getting it's like getting Jonathan Franzen to do a Rob Liefeld comic. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean to Garth. He's better than Rob. God, okay, you're right. Okay, mm. it's like, uh, I can't do it. Yeah. Leslie, you don't books. You're a better book guy than I am. Well, you know, I, I, I'm I, I'm a little distracted because I'm just, I'm just looking at this article that I've had pulled up and saved in the tab since um, three days ago um, that I've been wanting to ambush Jack with. Whoa. Um, for uh, since we start, decided oh, to do it seems this like episode, the connection's getting bad. Uh, so <laughs> there was a recent interview with Grant Morrison where he oh gave some of his thoughts on this is Alan Moore and Watchmen. As as listeners of the show know, Jack Mo- Jack is a Grant Morrison lover and defender. He he ah, is sitting I mean, across true. I'm sitting right next to like yes, hundreds of dollars of books. <laughs> From Grant Morrison. Hundreds. Morrison. I am sitting next to three. I liked his Batman run. I like Altar Superman. Yeah. I do like, you know. I'm sitting next to all of those I comics. I like Final <laughs> Crisis. I like his DC stuff, even though I do think it's a little bit too just like reflexive and about DC. Uh, so okay, he recently whatever. just gave, gave an interview where he talked extensively, for some reason, about Alan Moore, even though Alan... Did he shit talk? Oh, of course yeah, I'm he looking did. at it. Um, so we can just go ahead and I, I want to just read some of the excerpts and uh, stop when you've given up. Uh, all the, I'll stop when you wow. renounce... Wow, I'm looking at it. It's, Al- fucked, Grant up. Morrison. it's fucked up. All right, I, so, uh, let, let's just get into it. So this is Grant Morrison. The I renounce guy. him. I renounce Grant Morrison. <laughs> I do it. Well, well I don't even want to hear them. <laughs> I've read Watchmen many times. The reasons that I hated it when I was 25 were still there. But now I kind of like it because I'm older and I like the structure and I'm quite in awe of the absoluteness of it. But for all the same reasons, I hated it. The fact so that what do you hate about it? The fact that none yeah. of the characters were allowed to be smarter than the author. That so really drove annoying. me nuts. The world's smartest man is an idiot. He makes a play in all his life that is undone by the end of the book in an instant. Was it? Um, the psychiatr- no, was it? The psychiatrist sits with Rorschach for five minutes, and Rorschach tells a super battle story of how he became a vigilante, and the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist cracks. Does he? If you're a criminal psychiatrist <laughs> who deals with men in prison, you've heard a million of these stories. Yeah, but they still upset you sometimes. And it yeah. was it was all to make a specific point about how the real world isn't like superhero comics. What? Yeah, the real world isn't like superhero comics, Grant. That's okay. That's what you That's hate. Okay. That's the thing Grant Morrison hates the most, is that Alan Moore actually writes about the real world and not superhero <laughs> comics. Let's Which I, I cop to. I cop that that is true about Grant Morrison. He's only writing stuff that's about comics, that he likes comics a whole lot. Look, as as the as the uh, Grant Morrison moderate of the group, because you know Jack Jack is Jack loves the man. Leslie hates him. I'm you know I like we three. I like uh, I like. Uh, Are you Batman. sure? Because I have this is mischaracterizing. I have, this is mischaracterizing I have one more position. paragraph to read. He does talk okay. more shit, but there's one more paragraph <laughs> that everyone needs to hear. In my school, I was taught in this Scottish Presbyterian way that structure is hidden. You don't see the writer's mechanics. Watchmen, you can't turn the page while him saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Okay, we get it, man. You got thrown out of high school at 16 for dealing acid. You're clever. 
See, this is this is what happens. Grant. You are in your comics. <laughs> Grant, you are like literally in your comics talking to the like uh, character Animal in the Man. comic. Animal Man. Folks, <laughs> this is what happens when you spend 25 years calling comic books graphic novels. This is what happens. Our, our, the egos. I would say <laughs> this is what happens when you spend 25 years in the shadow of someone that you will never ever ever escape. <sighs> I don't know why he has to do this. I really don't know why he has to do this actually. They all like to do it. And by the way, the thing I hate especially about this is that I I these Brits love to shit on each other. I, well, I you know what? They can all be in a big fight with each other, you know. Everybody over there wrote, like everybody who wrote ever wrote a Judge Dredd is mad at each other <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Uh, um uh, uh but uh uh the thing that is upsetting about this is that he's sort of like furthering that talking point that's in Doomsday Clock, which is that Adrian Veidt's plan was not good, that it was not a good plan and that it didn't succeed. Well, but of which course I'm like, he is. I actually do think like I think the point of Watchmen is that it was a brilliant plan. It works. That it did succeed. It I think that's the whole point is that he is the smartest man on earth. Rorschach's, Rorschach's last will and testament will be published in like the a point, crank right wing the magazine. The point is that it's an irony that the whole story's right there and no one will ever know yes, it. Yes, exactly. Because he looks like a crank. Grant just misread the comic. And like, uh, Leslie. I may have to quit this show Uh-oh. for what you've done to me. No, 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 no. <laughs> what no. you did to me on this episode. Everybody, everybody remain calm. <laughs> this is bullshit, Leslie. <laughs> Look. Oh, my God. Europeans have been killing each other over, you know, differences of politeness you know, for thousands you know, of years. We haven't this is t- nothing uh, new. Well, I do want to tell just the fans, in case you don't know why the feud started. It basically started because Grant Morrison deliberately went out of his way to talk shit about Adam They Moore all Wendell. do that, too. Wait, 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 I, but I do want to say Grant started and don't yes, start no shit, did. won't be no shit, Grant. I know, I know. Same the, with the, Grant and, and Jeff Johns. It feels to me like Jeff Johns got some of the really bad ideas because they all revere Grant Morrison over at DC. Uh-huh. They're like, he's like Yoda but Grant's or a something. Company man. Well, he's a company man. I know. He he's, is loyal to DC. Well, he's Alan Moore. He is Alan Moore. If Alan Moore was like a careerist, is they, he, he like did have a spine. <laughs> yeah, I guess I agree. Ennis, Leslie, Ennis? what do you want me to say? Ennis, I still Ellis. like Final Crisis. <laughs> Look, you know, uh, Ennis, Ellis, and Moore have the luxury of being like brilliant white British dudes in a time where you could make a lot of money making comic books. Yeah. Not, like today, that's just not as easy. I don't, I, and, I don't uh, know if that's true. The money is just not there. I don't think uh, the money was there. I mean, that's one of the major beefs Moore had was that he was getting ripped off and everybody else was getting ripped off. Right. And he saw these other writers getting ripped off and was like, how do you let them treat you like this? That was his big thing. It wasn't just like, I want all the money. They were like, but it's Batman. Yeah, I want exactly. Batman. Right. The creator's rights the fact that Alan Moore has been vilified by other writers and artists it is fucked up. Is so weird. Well, it's to also because they're just like careerist and probably like unhappy with the fact that they've gotten fucked over. Like, how much do you? I I, I don't even want to know what Scott Snyder's getting paid to write like every Batman. Yeah, I know, right? Not as much as you'd think. <laughs> you think. Know, like, I wonder if I uh, get more on Twitch than Scott <laughs> Snyder does to write all the Batman comics. Oh man, it's just it's just fascinating. I, I think. Look. Um, Let's let's dive into Cross One Hundred because it really is yeah. an evolution of what I mean. It's a whole different like, and this is why Alan Moore is brilliant because this is a guy like does not want. He's so 
desperately does not want to just do sort of pastiche and like uh, uh, and genre that it, it he always sort of has to connect it to like the real world and sort of extrapolating new ideas out of things, which I think is really cool. This yeah, he, is this is not the story that's been done a million times of what happens if a zombie out zombie outbreak occurred. This is the story of like what happens after the zombie uh, outbreak. Uh, What's the next uh, like society like? Yeah, hundred years. That society is fascinating. It's a yeah. hundred years post zombie, which is a good enough premise, even without it being a crossed, you know, uh, uh, comic, yeah. comic or anything. Like that's enough of a hook to begin with. Yeah. So one of the first things you'll notice when you're trying to read this, because you're probably gonna have to read the first issue a couple times, is Hard. that uh, nobody people don't speak uh, English from our century anymore. It's a hundred right. more is Clockwork Orange uh, yes, in a major a, way a, in this comic. Clockwork Orange, which is brilliant. Uh, I'm so glad you. Ma- I love it. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Jack, because the That's difference. Actually, the perfect way to describe. Yeah. It. Well, he's only here like I was a linguist. Yeah. yeah, because the difference between you know something like the language not sought in A Clockwork Orange, the language in Cross 100, and something like Klingon or Elvish is that you don't Mm -hmm. need subtitles to understand this. You will pick it up in context. By the end of this story, you will understand everything that everyone is saying because you uh, scuzzled it, as they would say. (laughs) So so new... New English post uh, post a hundred years after the quote unquote the surprise is that's what it's called in Cross a yeah. hundred Cross plus a hundred uh, the New English is a mixture of meme speak yeah uh, Spanish and Arabic English and and just new slang just, just slang like, like yeah. what's what the new word for cool is movie like it's very uh, and again it does remind me a lot of Clockwork Orange which I, I what the what the hell is the name of that author the Clockwork Orange like guy that wrote the book. It's Anthony Anthony Burgess Burgess Anthony, yeah, Anthony Burgess. Burgess Anthony Burgess Anthony Burgess I believe was a like linguist yes. and knew and like knew Russian and so was like an expert in uh, uh, slang terms right. like, and and in how slang terms form and everything so he put a lot of thought into the how would these like so it was this like a, a mix it was an idea he was like what would slang look like in a world where this happened and I think Alan Moore does the same thing here he's like what would uh, uh, what does language look like in a hundred years they say things like in the uh what do they say like in the a four century or something yeah, like the, that the century, century before last one thing is they they use also like a lot of ac- like they use a lot of like uh, a fock a fock is a big one as far as i as far as, as we, we know, know i guess yeah yeah, yeah. and uh it's, it's they, so, and then prof- tons of profanity yeah but, but it's not they're not bad words the word the word movie as cool is is very cool to me i like that, I yeah. like that. that's so movie yeah, fuck becomes sex well, also, fuck is just fuck is there An adjective. Yeah, it's just it's the, it's the like every word It just is like a it's like it means like moss or something right. like that, like in Spanish, what's like in, more. What's interesting is that somehow through these 100 years, the survivors of the crossed infection learned some of the how to speak from the cross themselves at some point. Yeah, oh, yeah. that seems it's a like, mix of cross talk and human. Yeah, talk. they're like, fuck, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they talk like crossed uh in in a lot of ways and it that is kind of like your first hint to where this story ends up going now if you haven't read it i i don't want to spoil too much for you but basically what what the premise of the story is human society has survived in kind of a shambling you know low-tech way for uh, several decades and they haven't seen any crossed and they finally start. And when they get hints that cross are coming back, people like don't believe it and don't understand it and aren't really prepared for it. These aren't the militant, you know, 
people, these aren't the uh, militant people living under a rictocracy who are always prepared Mm -hmm. for whatever goes down. They think they are, but when it really shit hits the fan, they really don't understand just how bad the crossed are. They don't understand how much of society was lost and how, you know, how much structure there was and how much was all taken down. They really, like uh, the main character, she's like a scat, she's an archivist. She goes around. Future is her name. Yeah, Future. She goes around looking in these old abandoned buildings to find out like what society used to be like because all of this was lost because everybody she's kind of like a horizon zero dawn yeah, yeah. she reminded me of Aloy. <laughs> you're right uh and and, and uh the, the, i mean the these scavengers they they travel on in like an rv connected to a steam locomotive <laughs> and they and they just uh they just find stuff to take back to chattanooga which they're is like chuga they, they're like a uh, uh a sort of new version of islam <laughs> like yeah, they're, yeah. Uh, an islam it, which is the only religion islam is the only atheist or muslim <laughs> islam is the only religion that survived <laughs> which makes sense it's the newest one <laughs> well also i guess when I mean, this was interesting to me is that the reason that, that there is like a a community of muslims in tennessee yes that are that are rural enough not to be near the big oh. cities when the shit hit the fan so it actually made sense uh story-wise it wasn't just alan moore trying to make some commentary about you know muslims in america like that is actually it's it's a logical conclusion that like well you know, there's everyone died except for these people who lived in, you know, in remote farms and like happens to be that all of the major churches in Tennessee were near the city. So it may it's really clever. Uh, but also what's interesting about Cross Plus 100 is that as you learn, it, it is if the, the first cross is not a mystery story. Garth Ennis has, does not have much interest in explaining that much about how the cross came to be or what they are or who they are. And not to say Alan Moore does either, but what Alan Moore likes to explore is how did the cross evolve over a hundred years as well? And that's where things really get interesting. Really interesting what he does with it. Because uh, the reason why I say like some of the other issues of Badlands are kind of non-canonical because they play a lot with the level of intelligence of the cross. Now, in this, in his works, mm. does say that certain cross may be a little bit smarter. Horsecock is one of them. He's a little bit... Right. He can, you know, he understands how to... Do tracking. Yeah, tra- not just tracking, but, like, withhold the impulse to just chop someone's head off so that you can torture them them for a little bit longer and do, you know, more advanced stuff and think about stuff like that. So there is different levels of intelligence with the cross. Some of the other writers, they just like straight up have people who just like are nor just like exactly the same as they were before. They just like talk in red letters now, like they talk in complete sentences and some Mm -hmm. of the other ones. And it just, feels a little bit like it's really cheating a lot some of those writers cheat a Mm. little bit alan moore doesn't cheat alan moore really takes a lot of time to explain like how the cross could and would evolve into a way that they would finally take over the entire planet because the premise of when you're reading the first comics of the cross is kind of a race against time like can all the cross eradicate all the humans before their tendency to not take care of themselves not use not have hygiene not put on clothes during winter before that kills them all like which is going uh to win out alan moore comes up with this even more terrifying concept where like that humans really never were in the race at all 
Right. Yeah. There's a, uh, I don't want to get too into it, but there's a serial killer. And he, what, when, when the cross invade, he is as happy as a clam. Uh, he, you know, this is all, and what, what's interesting is all this is done through archive footage in the comic that Future is finding. Yeah. She's finding stuff and learning more and more about what happened 100 years ago because nobody really knows how it all went down. It's been so long. And what she learns is that there was this serial killer who just, when the cross came, he just fit in. You know, he didn't have to turn into a cross. And he started working with them and manipulating them and even breeding Selective them. breeding. Uh-huh. He started using uh, the social Darwinism that Nazis would crow about and, you know, that was so popular in, in Hirohito's Japan and basically created like a, a not a super cross, but a cross that's smart enough not to rape and eat its own children and a cross that is capable of organizing conquering and and maintaining power which is oh god <laughs> yeah i mean part though the one thing that human beings have on the cross is that they are just not as adhd they have the capability of distracting them so if these cross can focus then i mean what is scarier than a human being who is fully conscious and alive and has no desire but to kill rape and destroy everything in its path in a lot nothing in a, you don't need a monster in, it, they're just people yeah exactly they he they he breeds them until they're more like people and that's the scariest uh kind of cross uh of all and that's how you know we really are fucked because there's all these hope spots that you see in the, this comic uh that's a wrestling term hope spot when the good guy comes back yeah. and where you kind of you know because everybody i think it's natural for us to want things to get back to the status quo for human society to survive mm. and advance and evolve mm. and by the end you realize that like everything was just going to according to this fucked up plan that the cross um basically had and there was oh. nothing um that could really be done to save the humans Man, oh nice it's brutal <laughs> another leslie special yes. <laughs> <laughs> but look i mean I, I don't. I think that there is more optimism, interestingly enough, in Alan Moore's writing than there is in Garth Ennis's. I think Garth Ennis is purely a fatalist. I don't think yeah. he has any sense of hope. I think Alan Moore is similar, but I do think he likes to put these glimmers of potential healing in this. And I think that's why Grant Morrison doesn't get the ending to Watchmen. He saw Rorschach sending that journal to the right-wing press as like, well, Ozymandias will be exposed. No, it's just about giving that glimmer of potentially people finding it out. I can't believe he read it that way, to be honest with you, because <laughs> that is that. so clear. And, and the funny thing is, he read it when he was 25. I read it when I was 12, and I got it. <laughs> I know. That's I read C- it when I was well, a kid, the, too. The, the Seymour character. How old is he? Was he twenty five? That's it came what he out? said. He read it when he was twenty five. He was twenty five when he read it first. So when it came out, he was twenty five. Then I right? Guess so is that what it is? Okay. But like Alan Moore, so he like, was like already a comic writer and like mad and jealous at Alan Moore. Already. Yeah. It, the funny thing is, like they're not that far apart in age, but everybody will always think of Grant Morrison as like Alan Moore's like son. Like he's like, <laughs> like, like it's like Grant. Well, Neil, Alan Moore does a lot of that. What his beard is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I, more. Even at his most negative, even like at the end of Providence, for say, where you know where Cthulhu and and the uh, and the ancient ones are devouring it, the universe, there's like a weird hope and it's optimism very hopeful. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> 
It's going to be okay. Even though we're all going to die brutally and horribly, you're going to be okay. So when Ennis doesn't do that. When Grant Morrison was reading and not understanding Watchmen, Alan Moore was, uh, and he was 25 years old, Alan Moore was 32 years old and writing Watchmen. Yes. That's pretty funny. They're like only seven Good years God. apart. Yeah, they're That's seven years funny. apart. <laughs> <laughs> That's very if funny. If I'm not fucking up my math, I think that's what it is. Right. I guess Moore gets to be that. I mean, I saw he's making a film right now. Like, he's, he's going to direct something. Like, he just does whatever he wants. I don't know how. I mean, he must. Maybe that snake god he worships just gives him, like, unlimited cash. Or maybe he's big into Bitcoin. <laughs> or he has managed to be prolific enough. I guess that's what happens when you I mean, he must. He must get. He, get, he, I'm he sure probably he, gets paid. He sells yeah. a shit ton of comics. Are you right. kidding me? Like the man wrote. Uh, like I know he's not getting like uh, en- like enough fees on Watchmen and everything like that. But I'm sure everything since. Yeah. Anytime anyone buys League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he's getting paid. Yeah, decent. he fully owns it. You know. Yeah. I mean, and and that's by the way, as it becomes harder. By the way, I have the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen on my shelf here too. Yes, Leslie, just that's so true. You know. It's true. Yeah. It's there. Multiple uh, didn't see Tom Strong. It's, it's didn't see Promethea. Didn't see. You're missing a lot of stuff, but tons of tons uh, yeah, of Grant they're Morrison. In boxes. They're in boxes. Every Grant Morrison. <laughs> I read every seen. America's Best comic as it was released. Uh, you guys should come to uh, my parents' house, and I have literally like fifty fucking boxes of floppy issues of just. That's what I have. I was like, like ten I, yeah. years of Marvel and Max and Ultimates. It's yeah. absurd. <laughs> This is why, you know what, like, it, people are like, you should have a bookshelf for, like, people to, like, see the stuff you're into. I read too much digitally. I need to get rid of the bookshelf. <laughs> it gives too much weight to, like, the few things that I bought. Everyone's like, you rep this, like, more than anything. I'm like, no, I don't, actually. There are no hard it's just, drives. I need to put it somewhere. I need to put it on my somewhere. Uh, there are no hard drives that can contain how much of this shit I've read. I mean, there probably is. <laughs> there are. There are. <laughs> All right. So... We've talked a lot about Crossed. Uh, overall, yeah. what did you guys think? I like Crossed a whole lot. I they mean, I, it's a fucked up comic if you're not in the mood to read some fucked up stuff. But I, I wouldn't say like, you know, I mean, I guess it's like as fucked up as it. You'll probably see as bad shit. In, well, not as bad in Walking Dead, but, you know. No, you don't see as bad shit in Walking Dead. I like Dead. it. I like I like Crossed a lot. I think it's uh, uh, and I do think that the Alan Moore sort of touch at the end uh, helps it from being too much just sort of nihilism. I do think I'm like, I think that Alan Moore likes people more than, or believes in people more than Garth Ennis does. Right. I think they both have the same skepticism of institutions, of sure. business, of, of of political bodies and whatnot. I think they're both like, everything is fucked and it's because of the people that rule our lives. But Ennis is not a humanist and Moore is. And that, yeah. and that I think, the humanism is what I think elevates plus 100. That said... And I actually think it elevates the entire series as a whole. Yeah. That, that is what they, how it ends up. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. I mean, I, uh, look, I mean, I think Avatar turning the crossed into their Walking Dead with like over 150 issues. Like, I don't think they needed to do that. I think yeah. crossed is what makes crossed special is that it instead of being a standard zombie comic, it is almost an antidote to the 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 bizarre uh, the idea that like zombies are like not a not humans. Like it it takes away the the artificial barrier that makes it okay to like smash thousands of these things heads in and makes it way scarier to be in their presence. I mean, uh, you know, tw- when 28 Days Later came out like 20 years ago, people were so blown away at the idea that zombies could run. They were fast. They, they were could so run fast. fucking fast. And people were shocked. That was a new concept in horror. Yeah. And it was like when, when people, when they first went to the movies, when they thought the train was going to run them over, people reacted like that, uh, fast zombies. It really does feel like that Danny Boyle influence has, has, has stuck... And that's a good thing. 
at the same time, I do think that after, God, 10 years of, of just constant zombie shit on TV and in the film, you know, whether you're watching The Walking Dead or you're watching like the sci-fi crappy show like Z Nation or whatever it's called, like there is just so much zombie stuff. And it's almost as if people have forgotten why zombies are scary at all. Zombies are scary because they're they're your friends and family. And Crossed reminds you of that. Yeah. Zombies are scary because they're people you love. It's not that they're dead and eating your face. It's that they were people that you like are lying in bed next to and like hanging out with and sitting and, and, and spending time with and confessing your feelings for. And the Crossed, since they remember all of it, they use it to, they exploit it to break your brain before they rip you to shreds. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's nothing like it. Leslie, what do you think of it? I mean, obviously you like you made us read like fifty issues of comics in like two days here. You know, it was worth it. Oh, I, I <laughs> it was. I love the cross. I, I said uh, for a while, cross was the only comic I read. Period. Like uh, when it was coming out, because there was just nothing like it. There were even like some of the, even though there are some low points in Badlands where it's just the writing isn't very good. There's a uh, one that takes place in Japan where it's obvious the writer like just like google japan like google tokyo <laughs> like didn't really like know what was uh what the what was going on there and was just trying something but otherwise you know like i still think it's like a really compelling concept that a lot of great writers did a lot of good stuff with and of course ennis and of course alan moore did something amazing with. so check it out yeah, it's, it's good shit. Check it out. Read Cross. All right. All right, All right everybody. That's it. Peace.
like what you hear, want to hear more, check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.